What are you two talking about? Oh, nothing. Just the end of the world. I started on you. Whoa, nothing wrong with that. Sorry, no one wants a close-up of just you. My goodness. Folks, welcome to Who Pods the Watchmen. We're your hosts. I'm Grant. I'm Clay. And we are your weekly companion podcast for the nine-episode miniseries of Watchmen. And unfortunately, we've come to the end of the road, Clay. My goodness. This is it. We did it. We, we you did know, it. It's been... Well, I mean, I was going to say nine weeks, but also many more moons than that, because I don't know if people are following along, but we actually reviewed the comic book series before that. So we've spent quite a lot of time on this, and I was just kind of thinking earlier today, you know, undoubtedly people have done a lot better, right, in the last few months? Yeah. But dadgummit, people have done a lot worse. People have done a lot less with their lives. You know, every night we watch a TV show, and then we come into a windowless room and talk about it with strangers. <laughs> well, we're not strangers. We're talking about it mainly with each we're other. We're best buds. People are listening to us, I guess. You're right. Although we did get some live chat going on, which was nice the last few weeks. Right. Growing our audience. Uh, um, which, by the way, um, welcome to everyone who is on uh, chat. Welcome to anyone who's watching us live on YouTube. Uh, we appreciate having you guys. Uh, you can go ahead and subscribe. I will say that uh, I do recognize this is the last episode of the show as we know it because thus far unless i i haven't checked the news yet maybe they got renewed and they already announced it right at the end of this finale but as far as i know there isn't a second season planned thus far so why do you have to start on a bad note i'm just saying yeah i'm just saying be honest with them we, we would love for you guys to go ahead and subscribe and uh join us because we will be trying to do more things we're going to continue on this week dissecting this beyond this week's episode where we're doing our review um, but yeah, if you guys want to subscribe and, uh, follow us on our journey, whether we continue on talking about Watchmen and, uh, the additional comics, or if we move on to talking about other shows, you know, the Witcher's coming up. Maybe we could uh, check out the Witcher over on Netflix. Why do you have to keep talking about negative things? <laughs> You're not feeling that one? I'm not feeling that. I never played that video game. Ah, okay. That's not my thing. Fair enough. Uh, but it can, yeah. be, it, be, it can become my thing. It could become your you thing. to be. It, we, there's room. Folks, uh, we want to say thank you guys so much for uh, checking us out and liking us here, liking our uh, our podcast as well. Um, we got a we got a, a big boost of traffic the past few weeks, mm-hmm. so uh, we're growing as mm-hmm. the show is dying. Yeah. <laughs> the show is that's how time. it goes. Um, this we are talking about episode nine. See how they fly, and man, this finale was something, huh? It was. You know, uh, as you see, I'm in a suit. I don't, I, I don't know if this is a wedding or a funeral. You're, you're feeling like Dr. Manhattan a little here? I don't know if I'm celebrating or if I'm sad. You know, like the end of every good book or good TV show, this was excellent. I'm feeling good. I put on the suit just to kind of show some respect to the creators and the writers and the actors and everybody else and to you for doing such a great job, by the way. Anybody reads or watches anything midweek at Patreon, you're kicking ass. Oh, thank you. A little shameless plug there. <laughs> uh, you know, and I was so excited that I, when I was reaching for my keys, I hit my forehead, just addressing the elephant in the room, hit my forehead on my bookshelf, which has been there for a, about a year now, and I just happened to hit it, 
bleeding occurs, I think it was just the good Lord telling me, you can staunch the blood, put a Band-Aid on it. I'm not going to staunch the emotions from the end of this show. <laughs> so I just want to get your take here. We got eggnog. We're celebratory. We're feeling good in December. We are drinking some eggnog. Yes. What did you think, just initial impressions, when it ended, when credits rolled? How'd you feel? I loved it. I thought it was powerful. I do feel that when I go down this rabbit hole of theorizing, there are certain things where I am like, oh, it's the, the plot's got to go that way. Yeah. But when it doesn't, I'm okay with that. In fact, it's a, it's quite a bit of a, a pleasant surprise. It's not like I go, oh, I called that. I called that. Right. I was like, oh, okay. There isn't, a, there isn't a giant elephant in that other room. <laughs> we had an elephant in the room. Yeah. And that didn't really get addressed, did it? No, it did not. An elephant was there to store memories, I guess. And that's what we're going to go with from that. Or maybe maybe it was taking some of the – well, not like the blue power or whatever to see how much somebody could take. Because remember she she instantly – she said something like, "Everybody, somebody's going to explode whenever that happens. Uh, right? Yeah. I don't know. I just, I just thought of that. So what, what happened – I know we obviously like to start at the beginning, but I'm just curious. Where was – like where did it veer off course that maybe you thought it was going somewhere else? Uh, I, I think I wrote actually oh, a okay. big list of – Debunked uh, uh, theories, stuff that uh, I've been pitching here and there, either on the episode here or in the midweek. So Looking Glass is not actually a squid in human skin. Looking Glass, not not secretly a squid, Yeah, <laughs> is on the list. We don't know for sure. Um, the, the Millennium Clock, uh, what ultimately it was going to be used for, that was a little bit um, not exactly what I, I think I was anticipating or a lot of people had been theorizing, especially with the idea of like, um, weaponizing ep- empathy. I yeah. It like, sounds awesome, but that's not what they decided to go with in this direction here. Yeah. Which, maybe for maybe for the best. Yeah. Oh, I liked it. I mean, look, a lot of it mirrored, and we can get to this, obviously, but just quickly, I love the fact that it didn't go that direction, and it went actually the direction of the original comic book sh- series, be afraid of people in powerful places and people who seek those powerful places because they're usually not the best people. You know, and Vite said it, and then he also, you know, they were deal. You like the eggnog? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's so good. That's some good nog. Anyway, you're actually a smart man for drinking nog without a mustache. <laughs> so uh, you might have to just come up with like a sign for me or something if I need to wipe the stash. So gross. <laughs> if, yeah. if it's in there, I'm just gonna go to uh, zoom in camera for you. Yeah, thank you. So, so ever can look at. Let's it. move on. We know you're a man who likes the intro, the cover. You're a cover man, as they say. I'm a cover man, uh, folks. If you guys are listening to us, we want to say. Um, uh, real quick, uh, thank you guys for your support over on Patreon.com slash WhoPodsWatchmen. We had a couple of new um, new patrons, so I was going to give them a quick shout-out. Yeah. Uh, Giuseppe Vicaretti and Ben Burton, thanks for joining the, the Squid fam. Don't want to be the squid squad. your beast of burden. Yeah. You get a little, you get a lovely little song there. I think I was zoomed in on you. Oh, good ah. Don't do it. I got the band-aid on the forehead. The I'm sheen. professional. No one okay. can see it. Um, and then we want to say another way you guys can help us is to go to iTunes and give us a review on there. We got one, Clay. Yeah. We got one. Which way is this one? Which way is the wind blowing on this one? The title is Host is Arrogant and Humor Less. Two words. Humor Less. Wow. One star. I would have given this a better review, but the host considers a legit four or five star review as being a Richard. If you're going to ask for reviews... Don't be a Richard about it. Actually saying Richard or are you – It says Richard. <laughs> is Richard capitalized? Yep. Is Richard two words like humorless? <laughs> nope. <laughs> okay. Um, so 
Hey, uh, to the person who sent that review, fuck you. All right, moving on. If you, you guys want to support us, we appreciate it. You do support. have good humor. See, they were wrong about you. They just caught you on a bad week. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, all right, so we are going to go in and talk about the whole show. We're going to start from the beginning. That's, that's what like we do. Normal. And if you guys are in the chat, want to uh, welcome you guys to go ahead and um, talk amongst yourselves. And when we get near the end, we'll we'll ask you guys for questions and prompt you for that. So thanks for tuning in there. Let's dive in with the premises. Everything ends for real this time. Uh-huh. And the title is See How They Fly. This is from the Beatles song, uh, I Am the Walrus. Mm-hmm. This is when they were doing a bunch of psychedelics and writing lyrics that didn't really make a whole lot of sense. Maybe not literally. Yeah. Yeah. But in particular, this is like from the – it's repeated a couple times. But uh, in the beginning, it goes – I'm going to try and sing this. This is going to be bad. Oh, God. I am he and you are he and you are me and we are all together. See how they run like pigs from the gun. See how they fly. I'm crying. Like that? I should have had you sing it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, you Um, did a good job. Yeah. uh, It it seems to be in reference. I mean, people aren't really sure exactly what it's referencing. Um, See how they fly could definitely be about the squids. Mm Mm-hmm. Raining down, see how they fly. Um, see about how uh, people move on from traumatic experiences, I mm-hmm. guess. Uh, you have to walk before you fly kind of thing. Oh, my God. You know what? Just really quickly. Yeah. Today I saw a sign for a uh, like a counseling clinic or something here, right? Yeah. And it was uh, – the name of the company was Good Morning, but morning was with a U. Oh, Jesus. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> a little too soon for people actually seeing that counselor. Yeah, no, no thanks. I, I want to go into a counselor and see that. Oh, anyway, I didn't like it. <laughs> Do you feel in a way you're grieving about this episode? That person could afford to be a little bit like more humorless, actually. <laughs> Two words. Humorless. Humorless, you know. <laughs> Tone it down. Yeah. Uh, see how they run like pigs from a gun? Some people theorize that is um, John Lennon talking about pigs being police officers, of which there are plenty that are, are playing a role here in the show. Mm-hmm. See how they fly, either how they're flying toward action or when they see a gun running. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Take it as you will. Mm-hmm. But we start this episode with a little clapper action. A little action cutscene with Watchmen where we have Adrian Veidt. He's giving, he's doing that video. Well, that we saw in 1985, and it's the the scene where he's he's going through the process of making that that video that Senator Keene shows Wade in episode five, the the big conspiracies afoot, and as he's making that, we we center on one of the um, Vietnamese refugee workers that he has working in Karnak in his um, Antarctica um, hideaway, evil lair, whatever you want to call it, and um, one of the ladies. You immediately – we watched this together and you immediately pointed out, hey, I think that's older Beyond. Mm-hmm. She's got the same glasses. And sure mm-hmm. enough, it was the mother version of Beyond that we've been seeing the younger version of. Yeah. Um, and she goes and she uh, ganks some – Nice first date. <laughs> she a nice first date. She, she ganks some of his, his semen. Essence. His essence from Repl- – Replaces it with dial soap. The fridge. Yep. A little bit of little bit of Jergens lotion in there, mm-hmm. and uh, shoots it on up and inseminates herself, and then bounces. Yeah, it gets twenty three forty six. So, 
You think she was just after uh, a good the, time? The uh, paternity checks? <laughs> like playing the long game there? I'm not sure, but I did love that it all came back to if people listen to our uh, – the kind of the phone one we did a few weeks ago referencing Wikipedia and everything else like that mm-hmm. about Lady True and and um, and kind of the Vietnamese historical figure. Mm. So it's pretty interesting. If, if people have not read about that or heard about that, obviously direct quotations there with the subtitles um, from a lot of that kind of material and that – whether it's mythology or history or who knows, right? But right. Uh, pretty cool to, to learn about. It was cool seeing them address that. Um, which I think they did a good job of addressing a lot of little things like that, right? And like like so many people in this show, Esbion, um says, fuck you, Devite, and looks up at the, this uh, painting mm-hmm. of the original Alexander the, the Great. And as she sh- she's shooting herself up, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, she Yeah, she quotes the whole Lady True quote. Yeah. And, yeah, it's, it's powerful. It, it feels very comic book. It feels very much of this world that someone would have this theatrical grand gesture of a quote before they do something like that. Do you think she uh, was practicing family planning? <laughs> I mean, this was before apps. She's tracking her ovulation. She must have, yeah. Pretty wild. You wouldn't go to those links. And also, remember, uh, it was interesting looking at the computer with the uh, retie the knot. Right. To to relock the computer, it was re-tying and tying the Gordian knot once again because mm-hmm. he just loves his Gordian knot. Mm-hmm. I also – you immediately pointed out like the fucking lamest password, <laughs> Ramsey's too because yeah. just like in the comic book, it's immediately hackable. Yeah. They, they, like she wastes, wastes no time. And he didn't learn from his mistakes. No. Talk about hubris, right? Yeah, because he knew that yeah. they hacked into his computer before, right? Mm-hmm. That scene, however, did include my uh, cubes moment, which, golly, the last cubes. Oh, man. The last cubes moment. This, that scene had it. What was your cubes moment? Definitely her sitting there, legs – no, I'm just kidding. Uh, the cubes moment was the Tiffany lamp on the desk. Didn't add anything, but basically we saw it in 1985, and then we saw it in 2019. That's a timeless piece. It fits 85. It fits 2019. You know what a Tiffany lamp is, right? No. You know the one I have in my corner in my living room? The back corner right there? The same glass one? Yeah. Ah. Yeah, not the green reading lamp at the other corner, but that one, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Timeless. Timeless piece, wouldn't you say? I, I mean, I didn't recognize are you a lamp? I, are you a lamp man? What, what are you? I wouldn't think I'm a lamp man. Really? You know, uh, Britt was just showing me the other day this um, lamp you can buy at Pottery Barn, mm-hmm. which is this phoenix on a post. And? It's, a, it's a Harry Potter lamp. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it's this gold phoenix that the light shines out through. And it was like three hundred or four hundred dollars, and I was like, I don't think I'm a light man. Oh, really? So this is why I didn't. If even Harry Potter this... can't make you a light man, then nothing can. Yeah, yeah. So okay. I, I I didn't see this lamp on the desk. Okay, different cues on it. That's cool. I like. I do appreciate tension. how that that warmed your heart. Yeah, it did. It did. Anyway, so um, we jump from that scene to 2008 mm-hmm. when a young lady, true, maybe just true at this point. Before she took on the lady moniker. More of a mademoiselle. She's trekking through Antarctica to the door where Vite, Papa Vite is. And she lays a bunch of information on him. Like, hey, I know what you did with the squid. Mad props. That's a baller move. I think you're a genius. And I would love you for you to lend me $42 billion. Pl- playing dumb the whole time. Playing dumb and innocent the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. And she, of course, like times it out. She's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make my pitch. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, why are you going to do that? And then I'll be like, because I'm your daughter. Yeah. And explain how. 
Uh-huh. Didn't work. It didn't work, but I mean, she get A for effort. It seems that I don't know. I mean, you have to kind of anticipate that he wouldn't give her the money, right? He's a self-made man and that's like so much of his identity that him throwing that in her face as well. It seems like that's that's what he would do and maybe she should have had that kind of expectation. For her, it's a win-win. If she gets the money, she can start her plans early, mm-hmm. right? If he says no, which she could likely expect him to say no, then she could go and rub it in his face 10 years later when she does pretty much conquer the world. True. So True indeed, Fred. <laughs> Oh, I mean trio. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> My say God. It, uh... Caps lock. <laughs> Humor less. Um, yeah, so for her, it's a win-win, and I think that she can – you know, she's somebody who's so driven, she probably had to look him in the eye anyway and have him know that somebody got the best of him, right? Because he, for all he knows, 2346 is still his pure essence. Instead, it's pure ivory or dial, <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, 2346, you remember. Uh, she says – yeah, your vials have come. I'm like, oh, dude, yeah, that's your dad. Yeah, and that's your kind of. And it's funny that because that should kind of that should have been his tell that like she's just playing dumb. Mm-hmm. She's playing the dumb intern or something like that, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, she ain't fucking around at that point. No, she did not even say semen. <laughs> she didn't say the word semen. Um, there's a a part where he he's kind of talking about like how. He made that video, and we we end up finding the what was the result of it. He gave it to Robert Redford, and Redford just outright dismissed it and dismissed him and said, I don't want any part of any dealings with you, which in a way kind of gives you this idea that like he feels that he, he did all this effort for nothing, and now he doesn't have that foot in the door with the most powerful people playing in the world's affairs. Right? Well, let's look at why he left last week. Right. It was because he wasn't appreciated and they were still destroying themselves and everything else. Yeah. But I think she she, she rolls in and just like okay boomers him, right? Or she's, he's like, oh, yeah, see, I'm, I got the squid machine. I'm just like dropping squids. And she's like, oh, yeah, so you really haven't achieved anything else since 1985. You're just playing that same record, huh? <laughs> and, you know, him and his Miami Vice jacket's like, what? Mm-hmm. I think he, I think she hit him where it hurts. She did. He's no longer the innovator, but that's what happens. When you become the giant, you're no longer the startup. But look at the difference between where he was there in, mm-hmm. in 2008 when she comes to his door. And now he knows he has a daughter. Yeah. And when about a year later, mm-hmm. um, Manhattan drops by and is like, hey, I, I need you to give me an amnesia bullet for my head. So mm-hmm. he um, – he seemed to be like, you know, in decent spirits. He's like working around the house and getting things done, dropping squids, showing it off. In 2008? To his daughter. Yeah, in yeah, 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 yeah. And then he just is going through the motions right. and he's broken in, in 2009. That's I a think, good point. That's I a, think she hit him. That's a great point. I mean, 85, you're completely right. 85, he has a mutant lynx, right? Mm-hmm. He has a bunch of toys that he's licensing, right? He has a, what, what are we calling it? A vivarium? Vivarium, yeah. He has android or robot butlers. No? Uh, yeah. Doesn't uh, he? No, I don't think they're androids. I think it's just he has Vietnamese refugees. Oh, and then he poisoned them? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Androids. I thought they were androids. And I thought this he planned it so that their battery ran out right yeah. then. Yeah, okay. Yes. Forgive me. Um, 
And now in 2008, you're right. He's dropping. Oh yeah. And also, of course, he was he was launch or you know launching the greatest plan known to mankind in, in 1985. You're right. 2008 probably seems cool. He still has the bunker. Mm-hmm. He's still dropping squids, but they're tiny tunes. Yeah, he's 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 definitely lost his his mojo. Yeah, he's he's on the downward slope. And it's funny life. that you know he just kind of took it at face value that he that uh, Doctor Manhattan was on Mars. He didn't even that you know the old Vite of eighty five would have investigated that. Yeah, did Vite not invest in enough satellite tech? I love how she threw that back in his face, where he's like, oh, like he, he was just talking about like how, oh yeah, the simpletons don't know about the squid ring and how this works. I got them all fooled. And then he says something about Mars, and she's like, oh, the simpleton's like you. Mm-hmm. She one-ups him right there, yeah. throwing his words right back in his face. Yeah. Like like father, like daughter. I, I it, It's just so great how, in the end, he points out that she's a, a mad narcissist, mm-hmm. almost oblivious to his own narcissism. Right. Just, yeah. I mean, we can talk about that later, but sure. That yeah. was great. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and jump from there to... Europa. Let me ask you a quick question, though. Okay. When we we did watch this one together, which was nice, first time actually, mm-hmm. uh, long time listener, first time caller, <laughs> and and uh, and that opening scene, I was thinking, you know, it's 1985, and you said, "Is this in the future?" Did you think? Did, was there a red herring or something to you? No, I mean, part of me started wondering if there was going to be some other weird time travel aspect to it. Oh, okay. A sort of twist where he's recording this video in 1985, or we we all assume it's from 1985, but there was going to be some reveal that he was de-aging himself and recording this 1985 video actually from the future mm. in an event to try and change course of events. It was unfounded. It no, didn't, not <laughs> unfounded. how it worked out. Swing for the fences. Yeah. But we jump ahead yep. to... Uh, I guess it was 2017, I mean, I guess, somewhere around there, 2016, 2017. He's in the prison cell mm-hmm. back in Europa, and he pulls out his musty old nasty cake. Mm-hmm. Time has passed, I guess, one more year. And I think they like to show us on on the year kind of anniversaries of every scene that he was in. Yeah. And suddenly, the spaceship with a big white ball sack drops down for uh for him and he he plans it he plans his uh Shawshank Redemption escape. Yes, Faber's egg. Yeah, yeah, he he takes his little horseshoe. He scurries on out of there. Well, no, no, before that, he threw off his burlap sack. Oh right. And he was fully clothed. Fully clothed in a pretty clean and pristine looking uh pretty, outfit. Pretty weird. Old school Ozymandias. Yeah. And he he scampers on over to the ship and he's confronted by the game warden. Mm-hmm. And I thought there was just something. It really reminded me biblically of the murder of Abel by Cain in a way. It's like there's – and I know he's killed a bunch of these people before. Uh-huh. But the game warden seemed a little bit sacred. He seemed more yeah. special than the rest of the the, the clone sure. babies, <laughs> the Adam and Eve clone babies. Yeah. And so when he takes a horseshoe and plants it in him. It seems more primal. It seems that like he's fighting someone who can fight back in a way. Mm-hmm. And the the stain of sin has, like, taken over this Garden of Eden in a way. I was wondering, like, what are they going to do now? Yeah. Like, now he's left this world. And that's – if this show comes back, there's a dangling thread of this Europa with this population that is now left to their own devices. Do they know how to continue the cycle of, of – 
of reproduction of their species. They already destroyed all the tomatoes by throwing them and smashing them in his face. They have nothing to eat. They oh have no tomatoes. God. They're going to grill that Lone Ranger's body. Oh, shit. Ugh. There's some buffalo around there, too. They're true. Yeah. Yeah. We know what happens with them. So then he uh, was able to escape. He hops on the ship. Um, His his little uh, clones say Godspeed to him, just like Dr. Manhattan, mm-hmm. which I thought was a little nice nod. Like, they are still a piece of him. Yeah. A little part of him. And when he's uh, when he hops on the ship, um, we see the reveal that it, the message he sent was indeed "Save me, daughter," which a lot of people had guessed. So, uh, congrats, internet! You guys did a good job guessing that. And then he gets turned into gold carbonite. Um, yeah, and that was another thing that a lot of theories had, like that statue of him that's sitting in the vivarium, Lady True's vivarium. Was him, mm-hmm. and it was mm-hmm. a little Star Wars Episode Six. Yeah, what did you I think of it. that? I loved it. I thought it was fun. It was kind of one of those things that's right in front of our nose, mm-hmm. you know. And, but there was so much else going on that you can be distracted from that. And just like you kind of you've said multiple times, like, yeah, it's crazy to think that Looking Glass might be a squid in a human skin. It's not that crazy. It's not too crazy to posit. Right. You know, so this is kind of one of those where, yeah, a million things could have been happened. That's a fun one. Um, she talked about her parents coming back so many times. I'm more curious about the technology than anything else. Right. Uh, but, yeah, it was cool. She – yeah, she um, she dethaws him. They – and I was thinking at that point, they went through a lot in this introduction of this episode to connect all these dots and explain a lot of this, this story and a lot of the questions I think a lot of the audience had. Mm-hmm. They now filled in all the pieces of what's going on with Adrian Veidt's story. It flowed pretty cohesively. It made sense. It was good storytelling. Yeah. And it made people go, ah, okay, that's mm-hmm. what that is. And it was such a weird mystery for all of the other episodes. Yeah. It threaded it nicely and packaged it all together really cleanly in the first like 16 minutes? I don't even know how long it was, but it didn't seem too long. And let me ask you about that. Thinking about Lindelof's legacy with, you know, obviously Lost and The Leftovers, mm. did you think he really wanted to do something like this where he will just kind of say, oh, you're wondering? Okay, let's get out of the way. Yeah, well, I think lessons learned from Lost and from modern television. Like when Lost was out, people weren't on Reddit constantly uh, like – Feeding into each other and guessing every single thing. They just thing. crawled out right. of the primordial ooze and then they were like on the shore, right. on, on the shore of 4chan, and they had not assumed their final form of Reddit. <laughs> they they, like they started at Lycos Alta Vista, moved up to 4chan. Might have been Dig. Remember oh, Dig around yeah. there? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So I think that he did work out that he wants to – not only um, address mysteries a little bit earlier than people are anticipating, mm-hmm. like get to the answers of certain things and push on with more mysteries and you can continue building and writing that mystery wave as long as you are feeding people satisfactory answers along the way. Yeah. But then he doesn't like leading into, you know, monstrous cliffhangers like you would do in Lost. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that that's a, a mark of – the television landscape more so, I think, than just like a mark of maturity. I think that's like a necessity of a lot of these shows. You, right. You can't just let it linger. People are going to guess it. Uh-huh. Anyway, 
I yeah. know it's okay. really well done. Yeah, cool. Let's jump to... Oh, wait, wait. So, Laetru Dethazim, right? Mm-hmm. And looking at her, you notice, like, the white makeup she wears around her eyes? Yeah. She wears it like a mask, like, almost. Mm-hmm. I, I think I was pointing this out before where I thought she had, like, this blue mask, but it was actually her white makeup when the blue light was hitting it. It was mm. really capturing it. Kind of that sparkly thing. But... In a way, just using subtle makeup, she is also kind of taking on a mask of her own. And that's making her a bit more of like a an iconic figure among the pantheon of, of Watchmen, vigilantes, and superheroes and whatnot. Nice glow up. Yeah, yeah, nice glow up. Yeah. But she also presents Papa with his brand new suit. So he is now donning a Ozymandias 2.0 it's kind of like, uh, you know, Superman went through all sorts of redesigns. Yeah, in suit. a little athleisure wear, it looked like. Yeah, he's got, the, he's got this fancy sports coat that still has the, the eye on the chest with the yeah, pyramid thing going on Yeah, probably wearing there. some Allbirds or something, kind of the gray, <laughs> nondescript shoes with the mesh lining. Yeah. Ugh. Looking at my shoes. Oh, really? Like, okay. Is that what I'm wearing? I don't know. No, no, no. I wouldn't call you out like that. Oh, well, it would be fair. Um, and then Adrian Veidt, he he humbled himself. To uh-huh. ask her uh, to save him, to call her daughter, and she recognizes it, and she says she appreciates it. But did you feel she really appreciated it, or did she now kind of look down on him? She looks down on him, and it's, I mean, it was for her to, did you see the one time she actually got mad, right? She didn't even get mad when she had a hole in her hand. Mm. The one time she got mad was whenever someone, you know, Dr. Manhattan stole his presence from her, right? She wanted him there to witness it, and... She kind of played dumb the whole episode, which was incredible acting, right? I mean, yeah, she's, she's, she I'm, might be my MVP of this. Yeah, I, I love it when an actor is pretending to act because that's when you actually see an actor's like, you know, real chops. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so, of course, you know what I mean. You're a TV and movie guy, you do this for a living. I know what you mean. But, uh, but so, the, so the one time you actually saw in, in this, again, this is incredible acting, when you actually saw her get really angry was whenever, you know, her dad disappeared. And she was like, fuck it. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. A little Bill O'Reilly reference for you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I don't think she actually was really being thankful. I don't think really she has that in her. You know, she doesn't think about anyone but herself and her own uh, her own inner kind of machinations, you know? But she acknowledged it in a way that would almost seem like she was saying she was grateful. But under the surface, she was really going – I got you, bitch. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, you are beneath me because he still had a degree of power. When she came to him, humbled herself in front of him and asked him for money, and he's like, fuck off. Yeah. And then now he needed her to save him, and now she can lord that over him. Yeah. So she did assume the the power, and I, I would say that was the, the final link in her, her – uh, Ascension to full full blown narcissism. Yeah, that she now needs to take on Doctor Manhattan's powers and just become a god. She's Vader. Yeah, she Vader herself. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you think about her character throughout the entire series, this is someone who everyone else in this family or family, excuse me, everyone else in this show really cares about. Well, I think some of the great, the good characters, they care about family, right? That was Doctor Manhattan's final moments, which was a beautiful scene. We'll talk about obviously, and just the the the. Links people will go to take care of their family and protect their family. Her, you know, she did clone – she did have a daughter and then we find out that she wasn't really raising that person as a daughter. She was just raising it as her mother to then watch her greatness. As an experiment too. Pretty weird. Yeah. 
She yeah. she wanted to show her parents that she was better than them. Yeah. So she was trying to bring them both together and have them both have that degree of awareness. Yeah. Uh, anyway. And you're right. This show is all about legacy. Mm-hmm. And in that aspect, you see how lineage um, dictates this, this idea of le- legacy and what you have to bear from your ancestors. Like what Lady True is trying to do in impressing her parents, but also in a way beating them. Yeah. And then how we see Angela is dealing with the, the legacy of learning about who, where she comes from and who Will really is, second-guessing him before finally learning the truth and, and coming to a degree of acceptance. And you see she's kind of going through, like, all these stages of grief, really rapid fire. Mm-hmm. But... With Adrian Veidt, we get a really like direct glimpse at his legacy when he goes to the news the newsstand. Oh, that was a great scene. And a great scene. Bunny Colvin from The Wire, the newspaper man, he's standing there and he's like he's talking about, Oh, you look like Adrian Veidt, or at least you could you could mm-hmm. play him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Co- cover band. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're close. Yeah. But when Veidt asks him about his legacy. He finds out that, like, he's become a joke, essentially. People thought he ran off into the woods, went crazy. His long-lasting legacy is is nothing. Not unlike the guy who he should have hired for his computer security. What's his name? Mc, McCa- McPhee? McAfee? You heard about that guy's story? McAfee? McAfee? <laughs> have you heard his story? No. You should Wikipedia it. Is that the guy who sold his thing for, like, bucks? I don't know about that, but he did run off into jungles, and now he's wanted on all these charges and stuff like that. Really? I don't want to talk out of school, but I I know that there's an interesting story out there, so everybody look it up. Um, Yeah, I mean, hey, look, not only is he not Alexander the Great, right, but he's not even Bass Reeves. (laughs) Like, he's nothing. Yeah. You know? So he's not even Zuckerberg. And he even had the chance to start a new utopia, and Mm -hmm. he couldn't handle it over on Europa. Yeah. Old hat. So... No respect. This guy's getting no respect for the things that he thought he was doing that he thought were great. Yeah. And maybe that is another reason why he was shedding that that tear in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. This reflection on the failures of everything that he sought to attain. But let's move on. Yep. Um, the Millennium Clock is now getting going. We see it operating in the sky, and somehow it is this floating orb... That detaches from its initial pedestal and, like, moves around the city with them. Why did they build the pedestal? I don't know. They why did that's they, what that, that, that rotating thing was. It, it was, was the Millennium Club. Yeah, Conquer, why right? did they build, like, an 800-foot-tall pedestal? They could have just built that thing on the ground. I mean, I guess she wanted a reason to be posting up in Oklahoma mm-hmm. in, for a while and being like, oh, I'm here on business. I'm... I'm seeing my project develop, and that's the reason I'm here. Don't ask any other questions. Mm-hmm. While secretly she was probably feeding technology information um, secondhand, thirdhand over to the uh, Senator Keene and his, his 7th Cavalry people so they could reverse engineer and make all that equipment the... so that she could monitor their process and get them to do the dirty work for her. Yeah. The real question is how much did she influence or prop up the Tulsa economy? With that project. I mean, that has to be like the, the strongest growing economy in the country, Tulsa. How many people she had to employ for that whole facility? 
That's that's not a bad point, unless she was just bringing in her own outside labor. Doesn't matter. They're still they still have to eat. They're still going to Costco there. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, there's going to be a lot of people without jobs now. The economy's going to crash in Tulsa. <laughs> that's such a that's such a bizarre thing to think about. That I had not considered. I'm just I'm just worried about the common man. The Millennium Clock starts uh, activating. It kind of looks like a squid eye, doesn't it? I thought it looked like a squid eye, and I also thought it kind of looked like a little bit like a, a Rorschach test. Oh, it had yeah. these different cells that were symmetrical, and it kept like looping and shifting. Yeah, I mean, That's you know, that call. it's a stretch, but I, I I liked it. Yeah, and and right as that happened, um, Veidt says the end is nigh. Mm-hmm. Which was the the sign that Rorschach, uh, Walter Kovacs, would carry all around with him, right? So it was a good echo of Rorschach going on at that point. Um, and then that music. Did you hear that music? Like as it, it cued in, it was so creepy and ominous. And that is that is a fantastic um, track from oh, their yeah. soundtrack. I love that one. We're not just saying that because we got free free vinyls. Oh, do we do we have them? Oh here? yeah, oops. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, but it, it I thought the music was it was excellent. It was well timed, it was well placed. A couple times you did stop to take notes of the music, so it definitely resonated. Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. Uh it was playing it was playing to me. And then uh bring in the old white dudes. It was mm-hmm. time for the the Cyclops crew to kind of roll in including um an old man that we didn't recognize, mm-hmm. but that's cuz we haven't seen him before. Um, but he was key because he was Senator Keen Sr. Yeah. And they pointed out to us, again, with the whole legacy thing the, and how lineage is, this is all passed down, um, that he was also one of the heads of the Cyclops, uh, the KKK unit of um, of Oklahoma, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I think it's a national um, organization. It's franchised. <laughs> it's a franchise. Yeah. Uh, and he was there alongside everyone to kind of witness the capture of Dr. Manhattan. And it all felt sit there like kind of on church pews with the cross behind. Did yeah. it all feel like extra icky? Oh, like a bunch of like old white people watching a jailed black, black guy. I mean, yeah, blue, or, blue guy. But. Or organized racism is always extra icky, but this did add a, that next level ickiness to it. Yeah. Oh. You, yeah. you could you could feel like the history of pain in that room. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you guys looked at uh, PDpedia, you would know that um, Judd Chief Judd Crawford is also legacy. His father was also the sheriff of uh, Tulsa before he took it over. So you have that with Keene. You have that with with Crawford. It's it's all these people passing down the, this power and. These uh, prejudices. Yeah, it's almost like institutionalized racism is a real thing. Uh, wow. It is. Oh, surprise. Uh-huh. Yeah. And do you remember how, like, how this sh- – with how the show began mm-hmm. with the, the Tulsa Massacre, um, I was listening to NPR the other day, mm-hmm. and they were they actually um, – I think it was the BBC was doing an episode on NPR talking about the Tulsa Massacre, and they they at one point talked about how it used to be called the Tulsa Riot. Or the Greenwood right. Riot. Uh-huh. Um, and that was for people to kind of wash their hands and, and try and clean it up and call it a riot. And I'd been calling it a riot, mm-hmm. not knowing that the proper term is uh, Tulsa Massacre. But um, interesting. It, it all seems to like tie together to that. But I think that we felt that was going to be a little bit more heavy-handed in, in message and delivery, how the riot and, and racism and – and how that was going to be 
addressed and you know maybe maybe not rectified but a reckoning with it in this show and well, ultimately yeah. it was lady true going for a power grab of trying to become a god and mm-hmm. how she manipulated these people to to achieve her means yeah i mean we we kind of thought that maybe there would be this giant empathy spray or something that would you know allow people to feel others pain or something like that and really address it but really at the end we just get which i thought was really telling you have keen calling angela just you know a black bitch Right. Right. And then you saw her face kind of turn. It's like, gosh, she's trying to help these people. I mean, I don't know if she's trying to help them, but she's at least trying to stop true and help them in a way, too. Right. Because that's just she's in between a rock and a hard place here. And she's trying to do that just like her grandfather. And of course, what are they all they see is this just a less than non-human subhuman kind of thing. Um, So, yeah, I I did think maybe it was just being trying to be a little hopeful that it would get all resolved and we could all live this hunky dory life. But in a way. Nothing ever ends. And there's going to be racism after this and, you know, it's up to others to fix it. Right. What I do think is important is I think that they – this show was very instrumental in starting that conversation or maybe not starting but um, continuing and emphasizing that conversation. And uh, what are you, what you doing over there? I'm just doing a little <laughs> off-camera dog, and it makes it makes a disgusting glooping noise, which I know, which I know you love. You gave such a shit-eating grin when you were pouring that. <laughs> it's like, ah. Well, I was trying to keep it away from the mic because I know you find that so appetizing. It's, it's gross. Um, but I, yeah, the the conversation I think has um, been propelled by this show, and that's very important. And they they didn't necessarily need to make that the central focus of the show for that conversation to be um, continuing on. I think that's completely evidenced by the fact that more people um, are talking about the Greenwood Massacre. Like I saw it in the um, in the Atlantic did a big piece where they do these illustrated um, yeah uh, animations about it. Yeah, and then it was it popped up uh, as its own separate story that said nothing about the show Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Um, on uh, on a BBC piece, so yeah. you know, I, I'm trying to think. Like, obviously, obviously, really good shows touch on social, you know, social issues and socioeconomic issues and racial issues, right? right? I mean, like, you look at The Wire. You're like, okay, this is how probably an inner city police force works. This is how inner city, uh, this is how people's lives are destroyed by drugs. This is how people are, are innocent people are just kind of swept up in this and crime. the politics of it, the education system. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. so so good shows always touch on that. But I can't really remember a show that touches on something that it doesn't need to just because it wants to create a forceful point other than like a Ken Burns documentary, right? Which that's <laughs> right. that's the meat of the sandwich. This could have gone a lot of other ways. I mean, hell, we saw how Zack Snyder did it. You know this wouldn't be a good podcast, that one, Snyder Burn. <laughs> Usually coming from you. I just did this for you. Thank you. Um, appreciate no, it. so, you know, when you look back on it, every – and they touched, they touched on it not just in kind of this localized Oklahoma way, thinking about, you know, I mean, just fucking awful, like thinking about lynchings and stuff like that, but also looked at like colonialism and neo – this like neocolonialism in Vietnam and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So they yeah. really touched on like national identity, racial identity, cultural identity, um, generational identity. I mean they were they, – they had a lot of uh, – what would you say? Pan, not pans in the fryer. What's the, what, what's, the, what's the phrase? I've had too much nog in me. A um, lot, lot, lot of coal, not coals in the fire, pokers, like little things, and they're doing a lot. I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm happy with what you said. Yeah, a lot of um, he's cooking a lot of things at once. Tins in the fire? Now I don't know. 
I'm not going to look on the chat. I'm not going to look on the chat. We don't it, need that Lindelof was Lindelof was making eight or nine soufflés at once. <laughs> that's the expression. We could even make one. Yeah, that's the expression. No, we're so, always saying so that about soufflés. That's a really good point. I think that you're right that we were hoping that maybe it would have been a little more front and center, the whole racial thing, or it would have been resolved in a way. But just the fact that he brought it up and got people talking about it is a ton. I mean – yeah, I, I think it was more like that was a little bit more of my expectation, but I was I was fine with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think uh, one of my one of my cubes moments here yeah. happened right next, right next. Yep. Um, and that's when all of a sudden we hear the voice say, "Don't turn around." Oh yeah, I'm right here, but don't turn around. And yeah, mirror guy is back, looking glass, and I, I love that. You know, even though she knows she now has someone in her corner. Uh, Agent Blake is like, oh, hey, mirror guy. And he has to go and correct her again. It's like, ah, I can't be seen talking to you. But at the same time, it's fucking looking glass. God damn it. And he's (laughs) holding this giant fucking gun, too. He upgraded. Yeah. Yeah. This is a guy who just wasted like six of these people. And we still don't know what happened there. Yeah. It's a a mystery. Yeah. But it kind of goes into the, the badass mystique of him. So speaking of badass mystique, I don't know if you have this on your notes there, your handy dandy note sheet. Mm-hmm. Uh, lube I don't man. remember things if I don't write it on the note sheet. Lube man, lube guy. No lube guy. Which I am very happy about. Me too. There are some things he did learn with leftovers, like let the mystery be, and this is just a great thing to have. Mm. Is it Pedia? Did you check a Pedipedia? Um, I don't know if there's new Pedipedia this week. Okay, but we know that Agent PD lives based on um, what he posted last week. He posted an article. After the events of this, mm-hmm. it was very vague, but like said, after um, chaos rained down on Tulsa, okay, um, that he had like two names that were definitely redacted of people who died, and he said he doesn't know the whereabouts of Agent Blake. So that's like what was said about that before he went into talking about um, this book, Fog Dancing, that he found in yeah. uh, Agent Tillman or Wade Tillman's. Uh, Looking Glass's house. Yeah. Bunker. Did he uh, Did he talk about his road rash he had from sliding into a gutter <laughs> at 18 miles an hour? He did uh, weirdly say like something about like, oh, I'm ice in my back. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> None of that. Okay. Um, yeah. So then the capture, mm-hmm. um, Dr. Manhattan, capture him in the box. And, and w- w- really quickly, wasn't that pretty wild? I mean, they did a good job, as you would say, of like exposition and explaining things as they went. But whenever they picked up the phone – or somebody was on the radio or something, right? And, there, and we heard, like, shots fired, shots fired. He's like, holy mm. shit. I kind of was thinking, oh, or somebody, like, infiltrating the mall or something or yes. what? And then we both, I think, realized at the same time, oh, that's the neighborhood. That's outside Angela's house. Yeah, that's what happened at the end of uh, yeah. episode eight. So it's kind of cool to realize, okay, now we're caught up. You yeah. Know? Yeah. That, yeah. That was exactly it because we were both looking at each other like, wait, wait, what, what are these shooting? What did they just say on the mm-hmm. – yeah. That was cool. That was a good moment. Um, and then we get, uh, you know – the, the the evil bad guy Senator Keene giving his his mustache twirling speech about um, white supremacy. Really quickly, how did Angela know to go to the mall? Uh, what do you mean? She oh, showed up there. You didn't see this. There was a scene where she grabbed the the. Uh, oh shit! The guy that's right. She, she was breaking. Break, yeah, yeah, right, right. I, I forgot about there. that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because at a certain point, he must have figured I can tell her, and she's not going to be able to stop anything anyway. We have a billion people with guns. Or he was in a lot of pain, and that's just what people do. Or you just tell someone because yeah. you want to keep a couple of those fingers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I forgot. Yeah. But yeah, that's how, how she figures out. Okay. And yeah, um, I mean, I think that Keen gave that speech that. It's just another, like, stomach-churning kind of, oh, gross. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But then you kind of like, he's going to get his. <laughs> For sure. Like, if there's one person that's going to die in this episode, it's definitely this guy. It's definitely him. And, you know, he kind of – he was foreshadowing that by doing what Veidt said he would never do in the comic book series mm-hmm. is do the big villain speech. Yeah, yeah. You know? And um, that's that's what Blake said. Oh, please don't. Yeah, and She was yeah, like, yeah, please yeah. don't give us this shit. Yeah. Um, I, I love for I, I love the part where he uh, strips down and he's got uh, Dr. Manhattan um, underwear with like the hard V going on with him. And uh, even even uh, Agent Blake was just like, oh, God, you're, you look stupid in those panties about it. Yeah. Why do we have to have that? I mean, I, I, I liked it, I guess. You think it was artistically. A, little bit, a little bit too much of a heavy handed nod? Nah. Uh, I liked it. I mean, it was okay. I mean, they've been chasing this for so long, and just like racism makes you fixated on on just bullshit, they were fixated on this whole thing. Yeah, yeah. it felt like hero worship that he want. Like when he assumes that identity, he wanted to look the part. Yep. Too. Yeah. Ugh. And yeah, it, it was kind of funny. I, I did love right whenever Manhattan appeared. We heard this redneck in the background, you know, in one of the pews, go, "Oh yeah, we got him," or something. <laughs> right. You know. Anyway, um, and yeah, you already meant, you were already talking about like when Angela shows up mm-hmm. and she's like pointing out like, "Hey, don't use the machine." True, obviously knows what's going on. Yeah, um, but he enters the yellow cell, and suddenly, like the color yellow, like really had a good presence. Mm-hmm. It, like everything in there, the warehouse is like very muted and dull and dark, um, except for like the blue glow of Agent. Uh, of Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. And then you get the yellow of of Watchmen of the world. And it, it felt, I don't know, it felt like almost like a a break for the eyes. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my eyes are really drawn toward that. And it does feel like it could have the potential for this hero moment where he does transform. There was part of me that thought maybe he would and maybe there'd be a showdown. I don't know how it's I knew it'd explode. Out. You did? Yeah. Well... You can't take that much power. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he was liquefied. And wasn't there some, like, weird, like, bubbling or churning of, like... We couldn't like, really tell on TV. And it's funny because... Like this venom goo? Yeah. And I, I would recommend... Obviously, you're probably going to watch it again. But watch it on a different screen. Yeah, it was pretty dark. It was dark. Ours was, like, guy. Game of Thrones, you know, episode five-ish, kind of, or whatever the battle was. I don't know. Was episode five or six? Um, Yeah. I would watch that maybe on a different screen and kind of see because I did see something bubble or almost – and that's why I thought maybe it was like squids or something. But it wasn't. It turned out to be this kind of organic matter, right? Right. I don't know. And that matter began to seep under there. The blood seeped under the cell and Mm -hmm. I was immediately reminded of when Dr. Manhattan said that he could transfer his power through organic matter. Mm -hmm. Um, So when he ends up touching it, for a second there, I totally thought he was turning people into other Dr. Manhattans. I thought this was going to be like um, that movie Shazam. Did I just spoil Shazam? <laughs> I've seen it. But where suddenly get the, the power gets shared. Let me tell you what. There's one thing about Shazam that everybody should know. Okay. Yes, that is the guy from the OC. <laughs> it is the guy from Isn't the OC. Isn't that weird? What has he been doing for 15 years? He was a, he had a, a guest part on the league occasionally. Why is that all he's been doing? He was great in the OC. I, I never watched it. The other dude got the whole Gotham show. Who pods the OC? Is that what we're oh, going to do man. next? See, only with season one, though. But, geez, that was a good season. Mm, I don't think I'm going to do it. Oh, really? Okay, I'll do it on my own. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
Um, I, I thought there was a, a pretty touching moment where yeah. he, he, you know, zaps them all to Karnak. Like, oh, go save me. And uh, the, those people being uh, Blake, Vite, and, and Wade, mm-hmm. uh, Looking Glass. Mm-hmm. But when Angela's like, why didn't you zap me out of here? He's like, I just don't want to be alone. And there's this very human moment about that. That Beautiful he knows scene. he's he's going to die, and even though he's experiencing all of his lifetime at the same time, he knows all of that's finally going to come to an end. Yeah, beautiful scene. Really kind of shows you that Lindelof has not has not forgotten like what makes good TV, and it's just intimate moments between characters you like kind of coming together. And I mean, seriously, like I'm not trying to be sappy. Like that's good TV, you know. And we can't forget that with crazy shit happening, like frozen squids falling down. Just a moment between like a husband and wife, you know, is is really nice. Like, I don't know. Well, allow me to go ahead and and make fun of how sappy and saccharine it was. Okay, because he he suddenly says that, and then you get the Michael Giacchino kind of music. I know it's not scored by him, but you get the the piano where there's just a couple keys of ding. Ding, ding. It's all sad suddenly. And I was like, fuck. Emotionally manipulative shit. Mm-hmm. This is what Lost would do all the time. Yeah. This is what This Is Us does and parenthood. and Oh, it's almost funny. I think I remember somebody on their anniversary doing Instagram posts about how long, you know, he and his wife have been married. Did I have, like. Wow. Did I have music back then? You, you would if you could have. I should have. Next year. <laughs> anyway, um, you didn't like so. So did you think did, did it not fit for you? I mean, this was the last episode. I, he he fucking got incinerated. I liked it. Uh-huh. I think that I'm always a little bit standoffish to emo- like really emotional moments mm-hmm. because I'm immature. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can recognize when they're they're you know they're trying to pull at the heartstrings there, and now they're trying to get that that reaction from me. It's just. I was like, oh, I know you're playing the music. I if, don't, I don't, I don't like, I don't like those as much. If they would not have done the flashback scenes, would that have been better? I thought the flashback scenes were more effective. Okay, me too. Than yeah. the music, and I, I think the musical key was just so obvious. I liked it. I was it. like, I'm being drawn into it, this. It, it honestly didn't last too, too long. No. And then I, lo- I mean, for me, I, I especially loved whenever they flash back to, um, you know, like his original skin tone, I guess we could say. His, I mean, that was really nice. That That's what made it like super intimate. Yeah. No, no more Dr. Manhattan. It's just like the 10 years we had together, which again, interesting kind of question, right? Like if you were guaranteed 10 good years and then maybe that would end, I don't know. I'd probably be searching like the census records to see like, okay, how long do people live? Like, are, you know, how, how often, <laughs> like, how often do, like, okay, I know, like, you know, being a, a child of divorce, like, so I, I mean, I was like at 30 whenever my parents got divorced, an, an adult of divorce. Mm-hmm. Okay. So is 10 good years as a family. Is that enough? Is that good? Who knows? You know, but it was just, that was the bargain. They had 10 years together. He's looking back on it and she is too obviously right and she's one but she's actually maybe not looking back on it as much as him because she's still trying to fight and save him right right um i thought it was i thought it was beautiful i liked it i'm glad they had it i'm glad nothing i'm glad it was the way it was no i i agree okay so yes i agree not okay no, it's a, it's okay to admit it <laughs> i liked it just you know a part of me always wants to put on the brakes a little bit when yeah. i see those things so what happened after that i'm trying to think now um we Jump back, like he gets eviscerated. We well, we'll jump to back to Karnak. Yeah, we're in Antarctica. Okay. And while they're trying to save the world, they're they're like arguing amongst themselves, like, oh, um, I, I, he obviously sent us here because he knows that we can do something to to stop what's going on. Uh-huh. 
because they all trust implicitly at this point, or at least Blake and um, Vite trust in him, that, like, if Dr. Man hadn't sent us here, he knows that we could do something to stop it, so let's go ahead and go through the motions yeah. and do that. Um, but there's a point where um, Agent Lori Blake says, she's like, can we save him? And Vite's like, oh, I'm sure he's already dead. Like, so dismissively, so, right. like, devoid of emotion. I was like, oh, I identify with him. He's up to – yeah, right. No, he's up to the same old tricks. And I really especially love not – right after that when uh, – um, after what Blake said, but when Wade said – you know, realized that, okay, you know, he killed – well, he knew it already, right? But he talks about killing three million people, blah, blah, this great conspiracy. And it was kind of like the everyman's approach to it, mm. you know, like the Howard Zinn book to it. Like you have all these people, these superheroes, everything like that, and they can kind of justify everything. And that's the way the end of The Last Watchman was. The other heroes were like, oh, okay, we got to just let this go because maybe it is for the greater good. And who's going to believe us anyway? Yada, yada, yada. Right. But Wade's just a dude from Oklahoma, you know? And he's kind of like, he sees the guy and he knows this now. And he's like, no, 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 hold up a minute. You know, like, it's kind of like looking at, I mean, excuse me, but looking at the, like, the the Trump impeachment type stuff. We have the Mueller report. Mueller doesn't want to go too far because he can't. He thinks there's a certain amount of propriety he has to have and all this stuff, you know, and he's like, well, you know, it's not for me to say. This is for the the, the House to do and then the Senate, blah, blah, blah. Right. But and every, like, a normal person could say, oh, yeah, okay, we know what you were doing. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, we can just call it as we fucking see it. And that's what Wade did, which I loved, and it kind of foreshadowed, which we'll talk about later, but foreshadowed him getting arrested afterwards, like, you know, yeah. So, like, um, I love I love Blake's scene. I love I love them kind of being back in Mission Control, which was a lot of fun. Um, and then really going going to like old like steam engines or something, right? Like he looked at like this old copper tank, and he's like, "Turn that dial down to 22. Yeah. <laughs> like the steam. It, it, it felt like uh, twenty thousand leagues. Under yeah, the sea it was like a steampunk kind of Jules Verne book. It was it was really funny. Um, so yeah, it was it was a cool scene. I liked that they were there. Yeah, um, their, their dynamic, how they all played off each other. I agree. Yeah, I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. Um, then he uh, he basically has concocted this plan that they're going to freeze all the squid that he always rains down, and that was a great payoff for that plot point. Mm-hmm. Like somehow it seemed almost that he must have automated the system to still rain squid while he was away. Uh huh. Um, but. It did seem kind of weird to us. Like, what is the point of them having raining squid? This is a, it's a cute oddity in the first episode. Uh-huh. But that this turns out to be the the saving grace for humanity of avoiding another Dr. Manhattan's existence in the world, right? Um, I thought it was, it, it was good. I, I wonder if it was foresight or if the writers are just that clever that they can figure out a way to... Um, manufacture, oh, this is now going to pay off in this episode. Well, I think we – look, I actually think the plan was sound if you're going to buy into that plan. Right. You need to constantly – I mean we're, we're idiots, right? We humans are idiots addicted to 30-second cat videos on YouTube. You know, we don't have great attention spans. So you need to have those constant kind of maybe random reminders of, oh, there is a trans-dimensional kind of um, – enemy that could all that could kill us right so i think that it was if you buy into that plan it's a sound plan i do think it's pretty funny <laughs> that Vite's like well he sent me back here i gotta shoot my shot yeah <laughs> and my only shot is that i have millions of tiny squids and we can turn this copper tank to the left a little bit and freeze them which was wild also they go through a human hand but not the police windshield they just kind of d- jumped off that like hail 
Mm. Like hail, like minor hail damage. You know? Bulletproof glass. Maybe it was tempered. I don't know. I don't know anything about it. But yeah. Um, yeah, I... I... But it was, it, it was fun and it was quirky and it was kind of one of those things that makes sense with this show, right? It felt a little bit like the, the brick joke, mm-hmm. the payoff, where mm-hmm. there's this seemingly bizarre but maybe relatively innocuous element of this show. What is up with the reigning squid in the very first episode? Yep. And they, they don't really address that for like eight or six episodes, I think, until we get to uh, episode seven or is that episode eight? You know what's funny though? When we look at – Episode 8. Yeah, episode 8. Yeah. You know, when we look at the squids, the first episode, it seemed like they were pretty normal. Like it seemed like it was a it was a regular occurrence because Angela even had a squeegee back there and she's like, oh, damn it. OK, get the mm-hmm. squeegee. It was right there. It wasn't like in the trunk, although maybe she had a hatchback. But you know what I mean? It was in within arm's reach. She can just grab it, take care of it. But then later on, it just kind of showed – you know, it seemed more, I guess, less frequent, mm. right? It like, didn't seem like you would get a squeegee because it's going to happen once a month. <laughs> yeah, if something happens to me, like if sque- if that happened once a year, I probably wouldn't get the squeegee. If it was like every two or three weeks, I'm like, okay, let's invest. Let's invest three bucks at the gas station. Right. You know? So I don't know. So so I didn't how... fully think it out there, like how they would resolve that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, she, maybe she's just very prepared where other people aren't with stinky squids. It was it was pretty It was pretty wild. Yeah, and also I guess they they live pretty close to downtown Tulsa. Yeah, or no, well, no, but you know what? They had the shattered because I'm just saying their front door was kind of shattered glass. Mm. But maybe it was that, that was from the shootout. Oh, I don't know. I kind of thought it was squids, but maybe it was a shootout. I don't know. Anyway, possibly. Uh, well, um, he, he delivers one last line in Latin, which is essentially takes one to know one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very, uh, very peewee here. And I loved there. how you. I think you started typing notes on that, and then he <laughs> just he just told us. What it was. I was like, okay, cool. Grant, oh, I wasn't writing Grant that what it was to... in Latin. No. Oh, okay. I thought I was like, okay, Grant doesn't have to write that or look that up afterwards now. Um, the the police show up at the, the scene of the crime, see how they fly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the phone starts ringing where Beyond picks up the phone in the, the phone booth. So now this is playing a role again. The, the Manhattan phone booth they're able to hack into. I, However, Vite does that. Ram- sure. Ramsey's 2-2. I mean, when, when, you have the, I, I. when you have the smartest man in the room, in the world, like in in your room, in the plot, then how things happen is just like, uh, he made that happen. Yeah. Like, that's like a writer's cheat sheet. It seems mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. he's the smartest man in the world. He'll, he'll, he'll know how to hack into those booths and just call that direct one. Question so, for you. Yeah. If we had the smartest man in the room here, would he even pay attention to us? No. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you ask him, like, hey, can you help me with this quick thing? He's too busy doing more important things. So in a way, is the smartest man in the world really that valuable? I kind of want somebody like maybe Mensa, but not completely closed off. You know, we we did have someone who was paying attention to us who said that I am arrogant and humorless. Yeah, two words. (laughs) That's okay. Well, hey, thank God this is the last one. Those are our audience. Thank God also this is a free (laughs) podcast that no one's making you listen to. They felt – they felt – Jesus Christ, people. to the, turn the pod. The, turn the dial. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, there was a really weird shot that I think I even turned to you and stopped and said, like, what is up with this shot? Pre-stigmata? Yeah. The, well, yeah, The where you have Jesus on the cross in the background where Lady True is in in the machine. Felt a bit heavy-handed. Did that get to the Catholic boy in you? That ah, inner Catholic boy? The, the, the Catholic boy in me went, 
not feeling it. No, really? what is that? <laughs> I'm scared. I was just like, it just felt like I was like, come on, Lindelof. No. <laughs> I mean, it, it was, but to be fair, we have had some pretty heavy handed moments in the show and they've worked. Yeah. So this did feel pretty expository. Like they're just explaining a ton to you and then they do that. But right, hey, right. At, followed right by the stigmata wounds. And are they, are they trying to pin her up as, as a sacrificial lamb in some sort? I thought it was just kind of cheeky. I thought it was kind of fun. Yeah. She's no sacrifice. She's, I mean, you know. Yeah. Anyway. She probably. You and I, I you and I are true believers, but you can see some like goodness in the historical figure of Jesus or whatever. She was not that person. She was not that selfless person. In fact, she's the opposite, right? She boosted the economy. You said so yourself. You're right. She did. She's responsible for a lot of taquitos, many pizzas at Costco. My God, you remember those many pizzas? Yeah. Holy smokes. I used to work at Costco. No. Oh, is that why you were into the pizza there? Mm-hmm. The slices? Yeah, okay. I remember that in college. Not um, so shabby. Yeah, so she, she she is right for boosting the economy of Tulsa. But other than that, I mean, she used a lot of rare earth minerals, materials for nothing. At least the 7th Cavalry had the good environmental sense to reuse batteries. <laughs> <laughs> Recycle, reduce, reuse. Exactly. They're concerned more about climate change. Yeah. Um, as everything's breaking down and chaos is raining down on the city, yeah. we see... We see uh, Red Scare and Pirate Jenny pop up. Well, let's not even go. Well, wait, 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 wait. Are you jumping to the after? Are you jumping to after everything's okay and they're in the car checking on them? No, no. Okay, continue. In the beginning when all the police showed up, they popped out of the car. So we know they're there. I didn't see that. And then when the squids start raining, I was scared for them. Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, because she's been on our radar, our next to die radar for eight or nine weeks now. I thought... Jeez, they're, maybe they're both gone. They they should have been. Well, the thing they is, they were close enough to the perimeter of where that rain was. Happening. If one dies, the other dies. Yeah, right. Like Lindelof was not evil enough to leave one alive and let the other die because I don't think they can survive. It's they're like uh, his dark his dark materials. One of them's the demon. I don't know which one's the human, but the other one's the demon. The other one's the familiar, the animal that gives them their life force. Exactly. One of them's the soul that's an animal form. So I one's Turner, one's Hooch. Yeah, they need each um, other. I did not actually see them there, but thank I'm glad I didn't because then I'd have been worried about them. Yeah. But I just want to say that when that happens, and I might be skipping ahead, so I don't think I am, but we have had these really wonderful acts of bravery in this show, which I love, love, <laughs> love. What are you laughing about? I every so often you just come up with like you're like, I gotta advocate for the blue line. <laughs> I'm not advocating for the blue line. I am advocating for Angela getting a Samsonite case. Greatest movie using the word Samsonite. Uh, come on. Come on. No, say it. I don't need to say it. Say it. You're being dumb and dumber right yes. now. Yes. <laughs> God, you know that's a good movie. So running with it's the okay. Samsonite on top yeah. of the of the dome, mm-hmm. just through hell and high water, she's going to get to her kiddos. And, you know, when she first started running, did you know where she was going? No. I didn't either. And then it kind of, of course, just like everything else, all kind of clicks in, right, when, mm. when it's supposed to. Um Beautiful, beautiful shot, beautiful scene. It was kick-ass. You know, it's kind of like Star Wars where we just buy into the fact that all the stormtroopers are going to shoot like a million lasers at our heroes and they'll never hit ever. Right. Right? We just for some reason through eight episodes, I mean plus Solo, which no one should watch, right? Right. Plus Rogue, which everybody should watch. Might be the best show in the whole thing. And then Clone Wars, yada, yada, yada. Rebels, eh, not that great. Okay? (laughs) But we fully accept for like, what, 30 years, 40 years that no stormtrooper 
is ever actually going to hit the target. Mm. Okay? I don't know what they're doing in basic training there, but it's awful. Here, we accept the fact that she's able to run, and none of the millions of squids falling is going to, like, hit her foot or make her trip up or something, right? Right. Or her hands. You know, she's got exposed fingers right there. Nothing hits. Either way, I bought into the fiction. I'm glad I did because it was another great scene. It reminded me of Wade running into the warehouse mall, whatever. You and I have disagreements about that. But running in there with a fucking handgun, you know? And there's a ton of other really brave moments, like Angela last episode running outside to kind of save her husband, you know? I don't know. Did you like did, – did that do anything for you or was it just me here? No, I mean I, I agree. I, I thought it was a – it didn't seem like a, as much a, oh, this is a, a brave hero moment so much as a this is our protagonist getting out of Dodge. And okay. Okay. I, I was along for like her, you know – Saving herself in in the midst of chaos and and continuing the storyline from there. And when when I realized she was running back into that theater, it really felt like the story was kind of coming full circle. Yeah, we're going back into the uh, what was it called the Dreamland Theater or something uh-huh. like that. And um, as she's running in there, I was immediately returned to the very first episode with the the Greenwood Massacre and. Little Will Reeves, or whatever his real name was at the time, mm-hmm. sitting in the theater watching that movie. And I was not sure how they were going to resolve that because where we left off from oh, – let me switch over to this camera. So little, <laughs> do a little – I like to call it off-camera nog. It tastes better when it's off-camera. off-camera nog. It tastes um, delicious and smooth off-camera. But when we see her go into there, that, that situation, we're at the point where we're not sure – what she's going to feel about that whole thing because we know that how Will or how Cal basically expressed it to her was like, oh yeah, like Will was in on this and True was like, yeah, Will was in on this and like sold sold Cal out. And so yeah. we're thinking she's going in there with vengeance in her heart. Well, I think structurally, you're, A, you're right, and B, structurally – Thinking about that theater, which was showing Oklahoma, the fictionalized version of what the, of the history of Oklahoma, and then when she goes into the theater with her memories now that she has from the nostalgia pills, right? Mm. She has a different idea of what the real Oklahoma is, okay? And it's real history with with the riot, which we now call massacre, which was a massacre, right? Right. And I do think that that was nice to kind of sometimes when you sometimes you just got to sit down with family, you just got to sit down with people and find out what was really going on. And I kind of thought it was like. Look, I understand it either way. Like if he did – I don't know if he necessarily sold him out. But if he – yeah, OK. If he does sell him out, right, it's to end this racist organization that has a history for 100 years of doing like mind control and making people murder each other. OK? So for him, it's like, OK, good reason. And he even went to bed, went upstairs at the very end saying, you know, for all his power, he didn't do that much. So for this guy, he's thinking – you know what? He, uh, he visited me. Seems like a nice guy. He's a, he seems like he could be a good husband to my granddaughter, but he hasn't really done that much. I need to do something too. You know? Didn't you think that was like a, a real dick thing to say though? <laughs> like like she just lost her husband and he goes, eh, he had that power. He didn't do much with it. Kind of like good morning. <laughs> good morning. That I saw today. You? Like good mor- morning. <laughs> what a dick thing to say. Yeah. Uh, yeah, really. Yeah, cute. I'm glad. Okay. So – um. Wasn't the greatest thing to say, but also you kind of it kind of played into her now going and having the egg. No fear, of Salmonella, with her, mm. you know. No, and yeah, you're you're right. I, I think that she had obviously 
gone through an ordeal, gone through pain and trauma and just lost her husband. And I do think there was genuine love in that relationship that that's that's a lot of pain. And that's like a lot to get and go through. And For handle. real. So her sitting down next to him and just like talking to him. It felt like she was at a point where she was ready to just need someone and to reach out to someone. And and I like that whole exchange between them. Me where too. He, he's like me too. He he. he Slowly is like feeling out where she is at. Like, is he gone? You know, and real is she gone. And, and real quick too. First things first. Let's make sure the kids are okay because that's all that matters. Yeah. And so the fact that he had the dark theater lit stage center, however you say that center mm-hmm. stage, whatever, right? And they're sleeping, you know, and snoozing. She's kind of like, okay, that's checked off my list. Now I can talk about family history and all that stuff, right? right. So it was nice that we had a quick kind of. um recognition that the kids are okay and now she can relax and kind of get into her whole thing which i liked you know because that's the most important thing and the, so it, it worked well. and the biggest twist of it was that him him essentially saying like um cal Planless. dr manhattan knew yeah he knew about this whole thing he told me to work with true to because he knew this all had to play out the way it did and isn't that weird because he talked about the tunnel so obviously there is light at the end of the tunnel so i guess he did not know what happened in those 10 years but he knew when he re you know awoke when she took a hammer to the head, mm. that he kind of – he was himself again and I guess he had those memories. Right. Right? So it was kind of like the, he had this like for future coma and then he could kind of see those next two or three days so he knew he, what he had to do to put it in place. Um, yeah, I thought I thought it was really good. I loved the scene. I thought the acting was good. I loved that it slowed down. They got – I mean again, this is what's so crazy about the show is that five minutes before we have frozen squids <laughs> putting holes in people's hands right. and then we get this really intimate moment. Um, it where was her nice. granddaughter is like reliving the pain of her grandfather and they're bonding over and, it. And not only – yeah, exactly. And you know this is somebody – we have to look back now at some of the last few episodes, which were great, that touched on Saigon and everything, right? Mm. Um, or is it Ho Chi Minh City? I'm just kidding. So <laughs> uh, she's somebody who really has not had a family since her parents were blown up, right, in a terrorist attack right. or Freedom Fighters attack, whatever you want to call it, Right. So she's somebody who is who can be really um, not calculated, but kind of like separate the emotion out. She she wanted to listen to her parents or the, her parents' murderer get killed, right? So she doesn't have family. She's emotionally distant a lot. She, yeah, yeah, but exactly by just because she has to be right by self preservation, and she was able to reconnect with family and get a little bit of that, and just to say something small like, "Hey, come stay with come stay in the guest room." Right, you know, and even and that's a great thing too, because she doesn't say, "Hey, come stay with my come stay at my house." Mm. She says, "Come stay in the guest room for a couple of days." Yeah, you know, She's but it, still keeping your distance exactly. But it made sense and it was really nice. Mm. And listen, I doubt he stays for a couple of days. He's gonna live there for until the end of his days. I mean, you've seen this as us, right? Yeah, that that was gonna say. He's gonna get, he's gonna, a... get he's gonna get cancer. Oh, it's gonna be sad. <laughs> God damn. Anyway, it's the same thing. Um, so then, what happens? He he he. he Relays a line that Dr. Manhattan had essentially told to him that you can't make an omelet without breaking some eggs. So she's like, the fuck does that mean? And immediately I was reminded of like so many theories like we had talked about. Maybe he left a, a special egg when he was making the waffles. Maybe he left a, a blue waffle. Look it up, kids. Maybe. Don't look it up. I did Maybe not look when it he up. was standing on the pool, he shot out a, a, an egg. No, no. 
We only talked about the first two theories. We never thought that he shat out an someone, egg. Someone I read on someone else say, go. Oh yeah, I think you shat out an egg in the water. You see the water ripple. I'm like, no, stop. <laughs> We're gonna find an egg in the pool. It's gonna be so gross. Don't eat that one. Um, but uh, it did remind us that like, oh, the egg is like this lingering mystery. Uh huh. Um. Let's table that thought for a second because we got one more scene before we get to that. Okay. And that was that uh, we jumped back to, like you were talking about, um, Looking Glass and Laurie mm-hmm. confront uh, Vite. Like, he says, hey, you guys can take Archie back. I got the original here. I thought it out. And it's like, oh, hey, cool. You can't see it in the shadows. I now. was right, too, that he shared the schematics. Mm-hmm. Or that he got them somehow, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Anyway. Um, but then – we see that they're like, okay, cool, but um, also you're under arrest because, hey, remember you murdered three million people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you gotta you gotta uh, atone for that. And he's yeah. like so dismayed by it. He is dismayed, and I always think, what does he know versus what? Like, how far in the future can he see? Did he mm. plan this? I don't think so. I'm gonna call bullshit on a scene here. Okay. The, the, our, wait, the, the fact you can hit somebody up the head, upside the head with a wrench, and they're not dead? Uh, the fact that he was able to hit him upside the head with a wrench. Right. The Ozymandias we know, Adrian Veidt we know from the comics, and the same guy in this same episode who caught a bullet again uh-huh. is not the same guy you can sneak up behind and bonk on the head with an Acme wrench. Do you, it's just not going to happen. You're right. I would say you're right 99.9% of the time. But do you remember the 0.1% exception proves the rule, right? Until it doesn't. But then that is the exception that still proves that rule, which is kind of interesting if you think about it. Do you remember episode 7? Kylo Ren. <laughs> I thought you meant of this show. <laughs> episode 7 is somehow defeated by Ray, who's never held a saber. So maybe he was so surprised at what just happened. He was so out of sorts because of, you know, he just had to freeze his squids, blah, blah, blah. That was kind of unexpected. This is somebody who can – who knows that he has to somehow, you know, say, save me daughter, which, Jesus Christ, a lot of letters in that, you know? That's, but a, that's a lot it was of important. It was important that he did that because it was kind of a guarantee she would send something, right? Mm. So – He's so He could have been just so discombobulated from everything that happened. He's trying to take a breather. He's not thinking. And then, yeah, but I, I'll say this. I did think it was kind of like fan service for people who have read the comics. This is somebody who is so, you know, he can stop. Aware of his surroundings. Can, exactly. He can stop bullets and nobody's going to get the be- better of him. And then we just have the regular old everyman, Wade, you know, who's just <laughs> a scared, like. Who not, picked up a wrench from somewhere. Who just somehow got a wrench. And it was a big wrench, too. Mm-hmm. You know, he, I mean. I mean, where, he could have also maybe picked up a cock gun. I don't know. Like, you know, this is just tools we don't see everywhere. And uh, picks up a giant wrench and hits him in the head. It was kind of fan service. Yeah. You know, it's kind of what we would like to do to maybe our dear old leaders sometimes. So um, <laughs> am I wrong? No. <laughs> so it worked. But, yeah, I think maybe there is bullshit. But there is a little bit of episode seven Kylo Ren action that could have been happening. Right. Um. Yeah, so we uh, we, we have – Angela taking the kids home. They they go through her bat cave first. You see Topher kind of looking around the bat cave and realizing she's Sister Knight. And once again, this is the whole. Don't say bat cave. I think whatever. I, I think it, was, it, looked... it was Robin totally seeing the bat cave. Right? I, don't, I don't know why. You... Yeah, no, you're right. You're yeah. right. But uh, it, it was once again the whole um, 
legacy repeating itself and um, seeing our our parents through another lens. Yeah, and and recognizing they're more complex than what we initially thought, um, which I, I thought was a nice final nod there. And then, um, real then quick, the egg, real quick. Okay, literally ten. I know people hate my tangents, but this is the last episode. Do it, man. Fifteen seconds for you. Question for you, then I'll, I'll, I'll say mine. When's the first time you you saw your parents as? This is a good question for anybody, right? Thinking generationally. Generationally, when is the your first memory of seeing your parents as like people rather than just these mythical kind of supernatural parents? When you saw they were people with just fears and you know anxieties or short tempers or whatever, you know. Hmm. Nothing particular. Really? Pops out. Okay. Yeah. There's nothing. No. What about you? I've got a dumb one. Okay. I've got a real dumb one. I get my braces off. And this is when you – whenever I start a story with I get my braces off, you know it's a dumb one. Go on. <laughs> okay. So it's like seventh or eighth grade. I get my braces off. Okay. And this is kind of late. Maybe it was like stunt development for me. Yeah. Oof. You were uh, like 35 years old. It, yeah. Right. <laughs> this is last week. I was 36. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Going on 37. And get my braces off. I wanted a Snickers bar so badly. Is that a national thing, a Snickers bar? I think so. It is. It always seems really Texan. Yeah, you're, you know, you're but A-OK like, to say Snickers yeah. bar and so everyone knows So I get a Snickers is. bar. I, w- I love those so much, but I couldn't have them for like two or three years, you know, because I had the braces. You can't have the sticky caramel and all that, right? So I was like, okay, I'm going to get my braces off. And then they had to like, I don't know, not set for a couple of days, but you really still shouldn't have like sugary stuff or caramel, whatever, for a day or two. So I was like, okay. So I want you're, you're going to pick me up from school and then we're going to drive over to the wagon bag, which is like a, a 7-Eleven or, you know, Circle K. And you're going to get – and we're going to get a Snickers bar. And I, I mean, I've been looking forward to this for like two or three days, right? So we pull into the wagon bag. We go in there and I see my mom. She's like, oh, shit. I don't have any – well, she didn't say shit because she's she was a damsel. You know? Fair. Yeah, lovely woman. And she's like, oh, darn it. I don't have any money. Let me look in the change. You know? And you remember the old ashtrays and stuff? She pulls out the ashtray. There's a bunch of change in there. And she's pulling out coins. And I got furious because I was like, you didn't think to go to the ATM and pull out money to get me a king size? <laughs> You're just a human. This is awful. So I got furious sitting there. I was like, I need my king size, you know? And then I thought, oh, I bet she was doing other stuff today and didn't think to go to the ATM. Now I've shared that story for better or worse. But for me, it was seventh grade. I'm wondering what other people thought too. Oh, man. Um, Moving on. You know, Topher figured out that she was Sister Knight. You figured out your mom might be too busy to get you a king size Snickers. It's completely relatable. I'm just saying I thought of that whenever I watched the You're scene. You're like, oh, Topher, same seas, yeah. Yeah, you know, and I can also um, float <laughs> staples and put them together to build castles. Yeah. Um, she realizes the the idea of the egg, that one egg didn't get broken when she slammed them all down. Yeah. She she uh, rockies it. She throats it. And then she's Ugh. going to do that leap of faith. And he very distinctly said – I need you to see this for later when he's standing on the water. We talked about so, that. So do you think that she ate the right egg and she's going to be able to stand on the water too? She is imbued with his powers, especially considering uh-huh. that not only did she get that egg and um, and she remembered him floating on the water, but that right before that, Will had said to her, you know, for him having all those powers, he sure didn't do a lot with them. He could have done a lot more. I feel like they were bam, 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 trying to set it up like, 
obviously she's going to yeah. get the powers. You know, but they left it ambiguous. This was a little bit of leftovers, which was really nice. Like let the faith, let like, the mystery, let the mystery be a little bit. I mean, in one way, or do you have the faith that she is? And it's it's well, or way, or it's a win win. If she, if she, for for <laughs> for Will Reeves, this whole thing was it's up to us, right? Like he did not have superpowers; he did his own thing, right? Mm. We also had also we should visit this too a little bit. Talk about what is a mask, and is it power or is it anger or is it and that was kind of the conversation they had in the uh, dreamland theater or is it fear and everything else right uh, but a mask is what you have uh masks make men cruel is what uh mm-hmm. ozymandias said to the gamekeeper because he wanted him as an adversary he goes was i worthy no and that was Vite being kind of his whole thing when you can have anonymity it reveals your true self and that might be kind of your baser right nature right, right. which is cruelty um, not the angels of our better nature, a la Abe Lincoln. So I – look, if if the egg thing doesn't happen, then maybe she has this idea of, you know what? Building a – having a good family, fighting the good fight is all I can do and that's enough, right? I can make change that way. Yeah. Um, if she does get the egg, shit, that's going to be pretty wild. Or I mean, you know, if the egg does have power, mm. that's going to be pretty crazy. Um, Is she going to be able to handle it? I mean, I would assume so. She's – kick ass she's badass but uh you got to think man i hope there's a sequel right and you that's know? that's where we're left with yeah uh hey listeners if you are watching on youtube right now youtube live right now is the point where i'll go ahead and say go ahead and write your questions and comments and write question or comment all in caps before you ask it in your post and i'll be able to identify it and uh, we'll read it here on the episode but getting back to what you're saying that is such a lead-in yeah. to a second season, potentially, if they want to keep the same cast. I know there's been a lot of ideas that people have been pitching, like, and based on some of the stuff that cryptically Damon Lindelof has been saying about, like, hey, I made this one season, I could pass the reins off. The idea that this could be an anthology show, mm-hmm. where you have the world of Watchmen, mm-hmm. but you could pick up a story in... Um, you know, Seattle, Washington, or... Uh, Pure Mando. Well, Just go Mando with it. Yeah, you can have one over on um, uh, in Tunisia or or uh, Tatooine. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Um, but if they were to stay here in Tulsa, you now have mm-hmm. these built-up characters. You have um, Red Scare. You have Pirate Jenny. You have... I think she's still alive. We saw her in the she's car. She's certainly still alive, but what would that show be about? Well, They're you, traffic cops, and that's it. We romanticized them, but what have they done? You still have Looking Glass. You still have um, Adrian Veidt being arrested. You still have Dan Dryberg in prison, about to be freed. You still have um, – now you have Angela as the new resurrection of Can Dr. Can I tell you Manhattan, something? Potentially. That is absolute horse shit. Speaking of that, I saw Santa Claus riding a horse today, which was wild in my neighborhood. I'm not lying. Literally Santa Claus on a on a horse. Okay. Crazy. Uh, this is Texas. Yeah. Dan, when it was 83 degrees today, by the way. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Uh, we do have Dan. And is he going to get home? You know, like, you know, you, you get out of prison, I assume, Matt, it's a great day. It's got to be a great day, right? Mm-hmm. You get out of prison. You go to your girlfriend or your love interest's house, your partner's house, and you see her have an owl under wraps. <laughs> 
You're still on about the owl. Animal? Are you like, oh man, out of the frying pan into the fire? And now I'm with a, now I'm with an animal abuser. I'm pretty sure they when he gave her a fuck you blue dildo, mm. that was the end of their relationship. And I doubt he's gonna be like just popping by to see how things are going. You no, I'm saying Unless that she's she picking would, up his she, pet owl. She would get him out of jail and pick him up to kind of do the whole thing. Like she's like, hey, I remember last time you were a little spoon. I know you might need that again. But let me tell you something. <laughs> you know, spoon. you know what they do with convicts. <laughs> With convicts, they use animals as like support animals, right? Yeah. Like they have like cons and and what do they call it? Like you know, yeah, yeah. I know. There, there's like a reality show about it. Oh, yeah. I don't know the reality show. There's like convicts and pit bulls or something. So but he's like rehabilitation animals. exactly. So for yeah. like six, seven, eight years now, he's been in jail. He's been working with animals, so he's become an animal lover. And now he gets to her house, and she he sees that she leaves this owl under a cage, under a blanket all the time. You know he's not happy about that. You know he's ending that relationship asap. Shouldn't even have an MP3 player for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Sharper image. She's the top of the line for this world. Did we get any comments or questions? Uh, I'm going to check that in a second. I just want to point out um, some debunk theories we had. Yeah. Um, aside from the Millennium Clock not weaponizing ep- empathy, Topher was not special, particularly, as far as we could tell. We um, don't know about Topher. We don't know about the elephant. It's not debunked. Uh, the Adam and Eve clones potentially being uh, Mime and Marionette, some characters from uh, the. Doomsday, or was it uh, after Watchmen comics that came out? Uh, that didn't manifest. Nope. Lube Man did not come and save the day. Um, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't know that. He could have done something off camera. <laughs> you think that he was behind the scenes and it's going to be like some like parallax An- show that they're going to show An- what he did? Angela's walking into the warehouse slash mall, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. She's walking in confident. All of a sudden... We see a sniper crosshair right on her head because somebody is in a building across the street and they're looking at people entering, coming and going, mm-hmm. right? They're protecting the premises. They have her on the crosshairs. They're going to undo everything that Lindelof has created. And then who slides into the scene? Lou Man. Lou Man! He kills the sniper, <laughs> allowing her to walk in and no one ever knows. And that's a sign of a true hero. And that's what... And no, seriously, that's what Vite could not deal with is the fact that he needs to be loved. Blue Man doesn't give a shit. Okay. Uh, I love that. That was great. Um, Will did not turn into an elephant. Yeah, okay. As was one of our theories. That's ridiculous. Um, they didn't all end up getting uh, super powers from Dr. Manhattan. Uh-huh. And uh, Will did not eat the magic egg when he first met him. There's that point where he said, like, maybe I'm Dr. Manhattan. And some people thought maybe when Dr. Manhattan visited him, okay. he gave him an egg and transferred powers into him. Because that's how he could, like, hang somebody at 105? Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Didn't happen. So uh, we were right about uh, True being Veidt's daughter, that he was the gold statue. Um, Keen trying to become Dr. Manhattan. And Angela might potentially be- get Dr. Manhattan powers. Yep. So all that's pretty cool. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and check into the comments here. So comment – First one comes to us from John Rubio. He says, FYI, guys, PDPD has one last entry oh. about Petey getting fired, and it pretty much confirms <laughs> he was Lube Man. Are you fucking kidding? Oh, my God. That is exciting. Petey had Marfan syndrome and is also Lube Man. <laughs> no, don't say that part. <laughs> I'm just saying he's that guy a, had really long limbs. He had long limbs. Man. Okay. That's all. Um. This comment comes from Mod Mary One, who says the HBO graphic logo poster has Angela with a blue glow. 
Watchmen in bright yellow letters, egg yolk yellow. Ah. Wow. Who said yeah, that? You remember the iconic uh, photo of her the, in all the posters? Yeah. Where she's got a blue glow. Like she's taking on the blue. Dr. Honestly, Anna no, because I don't look at stuff like that. Uh, that was from Mod Mary 1. I like it, Mod Mary. Uh, P.W. Gregory says, Lube Man disguised himself as a Rorschach soldier to go undercover and Dr. Manhattan vaporized him. Uh, <laughs> so maybe he was there the whole time. That's why I got time. fired because he didn't show up to work because he was vaporized. Things just went sideways for the poor guy. Um, Rubio says uh, Dr. Manhattan couldn't teleport from that cage. But why couldn't he just grow huge and use his giant super hands to get out? Doesn't he still have super strength? Well, he was. You he, think it was like neutralizing all of his power? He was worse for wear. he was still able to time trip. He was able to time trip, but he wasn't really able to control that much. And he did shape shift himself back into looking like Cal. So it seemed like he still had some degree of control of his But powers. that's the thing, dude. Do you believe in Metachlorians or do you just believe in true love? Because he just – he had the love of Angela and for a quick second he was able to look at her. I mean that's it. Yeah, yeah. Fair. Uh, let's see. Um, wait, 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 real quick. Would we have been happy with the story if he would have gone 100 feet tall? No. That's we, what I'm saying. We that, needed the sacrifice. That's the answer to Rubio's really good question, but that's why. Um, let's see. Uh, Drew DeBoss XL said, hey, regarding Ozzy uh, being frozen in gold, um, can someone answer on the phone? Because I called it. Damn. So I guess props to Drew DeBoss XL. You totally called it. Yeah. Let's see. Good here. job. Um, P.W. Gregory says... That's it's not, not P.W. Gregory. It's Poor Gregory. Poor Gregory. <laughs> John Rubio says, weird that the whole mesmerism thing was a one and done throwaway thing. Yeah. Which, yeah, I thought, you know, we, I think we both thought when we saw the scene where um, all of the Cyclops people are about to watch the scene and then uh, True was like, oh, nah, I am going to kill you she guys. She clicks something. She clicks it and all the beams come to them. And I thought they were going to start flickering. And I think you said something about that. They're going to kill like, each other. You said they're going to kill each other. Yeah. I thought it was going to be that the tables had turned and they made them just brawl and like massacre each other. I would have loved that. And that would have been pretty poetic. I would have loved that. But instead it was just a – I kind of wish it had been And that that's one. the thing, right? The villain thinks like – like uh, what's his name's wife? You know? Mm. What's his name? Judd? Judd? Judd's yeah, wife. Jane, Jane Crawford. Jane Crawford. She thinks that she can still say, oh, just kill us. Like, uh, you're not in the driver's seat, sweetheart. Yeah, right. Like, we're going to do what we want to you, and I hope it's slow and painful. Yeah. Um, Dead Lee says, do you think Vite will be Dan Dryberg's cellmate? <sighs> Could you imagine? What if the second season is just in prison? It's just those two, like, working the system, and it's it's Oz season God. 35 or whatever. It's a new – oh, my God. That would be a great spinoff. Wouldn't it like Dan you have Vite. like one of the mo- like two of the most brilliant guys in prison? How do they operate? I would totally watch that season. What's of Dan's show. What's Dan's dad bod looking like? He had a little bit of a belly in the last uh, few. You know, oh, you think he's like just fucking jacked? He's just been hitting the gym every day. Oh no, that's not all at he all. does with this time. Not at all. He he gets on the spin machine a little bit, but he's mostly just reading. Oh man, um, I, I do want to like fantasize about that, and I am. Yeah, that should be to- that should totally. It's not going to happen. Well, let's write our own like fan version of this. Okay, put and it up on put it up on MuggleNet. We'll re we'll reenact it. <laughs> uh, I like the first part of that. Yeah. Uh, well, it is getting late, folks. I yep. do want to say 
thank you so much for all of your support, everyone watching this show. Um, and then, you know, giving us feedback, engaging with us, joining us on, on Patreon, joining us on Instagram and Facebook, and just going through this journey with us. I think this has been a really fantastic season of show. It's been a lot TV. of, it's been a lot of fun and it's been a short season, but it's been, every episode has been unique and, uh, it's been really good to talk about. Yeah. I've had a good time. Right. Uh, we will be back throughout this week. We're going to, uh, do a few more check-ins as we, um, hear some of the other little mop up fan feedback, uh, yeah. see if there's any news about a season two. And if, if not, we'll get working on our, our Oz script for the buddy comedy where, where Vite and Dan are in prison. <coughs> da- Dan and Vite, Cola, Rikers. We got to put them in Rikers. Shit. Yeah, I think that'd be good. Oh, or we can put them outside San Francisco. That'd be pretty sweet too. Hmm? Anyway. You think like in Alcatraz? Exactly. Why not? Fuck yeah. That'd be pretty nice. It'd be a nice background shot with sit with the city in the background, you know? Right. Uh, yeah, no, look forward to it. Hey, so this has been a pleasure. I know we might be doing we – got, we got a few things in the works. We're going to see what we're going to do. But uh, definitely the next week or two, we'll be doing some cleanup episodes, some mop-up episodes. I definitely want to see you get to a mailbag. <coughs> and now you're coughing, so we're going to go. I know you are going to <laughs> go back. To, you're going to go back to the computer. Um, the, yeah. no, the nog is empty. We got, we the nog's empty, but we got pans on the fryer or tins in the we got souffles. We have a lot of souffles. We're folks. stoking the fire, and We're, we have souffles. So many souffles, and we have so many horseshoes in our cakes. Thank you guys so much for watching us, for watching along with us. We watch the Watchmen with and you. We pod them with you. We love you guys, and that's about it. Have a good one. <laughs>